What is going on, OWS fam, DFS fam? Welcome to week four. This is the DFS Lab with myself, JM to win, and Keegan. Today, we will be opening the week four slate for the first time on DraftKings, taking a look at what this slate provides for us, taking a look at some of the available pricing and setups, and obviously building a roster to kind of get a sense of not only how to put together, potentially put together, uh, roster on the slate, but also to talk through strategy and what it means to be building a roster that is actually playing for a first place finish. That's where most of the money is. If we're playing that way, we're going to make money in DFS over time. So with that, let's get started. One week season. Yo, 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 Keegan, how are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. Had a good week. Had a good uh, football week. Not um, in DFS again. In in some prop bets, I had a really really big uh, six leg hit. So, oh, nice, was cool, yeah, nice, nice. So, not a great DFS week, but a good <laughs> week overall. Yeah, because so I tried doing the um, the MME, and uh, I spent six hours uh, Saturday night or three hours Saturday night, and then three hours Sunday morning. And when I went to go like enter in my mass like 150 lineups, um, I clicked the button. And it was like, this tournament is full. And I was oh, like, no. <laughs> awesome. I love that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. So what you'll want to do, well, we'll talk about this, but what, what you want to do next week is reserve those 150 entries. And then they're already reserved. And then you can just upload all the lineups to those, uh, to those entries. Uh, with those entries, do you feel like there would have been some that, that would have had a shot at, did you have Bill's defense? I guess is the big question. Um, yeah, I did. I had Bill's okay. defense. And, you know, so... I was like really upset that those didn't enter. And so I just started like, I probably definitely should not have done this, but I entered in like four $12 attorneys and I like just used four of the lineups from the 150. And then I entered in like $21 tournaments. And uh, one of them actually did really, really well, but uh, it just didn't give me that much money because it was a $1 tournament. It was like yeah, 20 yeah. entry max. So yeah. Um... <clears throat> And that's one of those things too, where, you know, we had a guy a couple of weeks ago who finished first in a $2 tournament for a hundred grand. But wow. once you start finishing back in those, like if they're, if they're able to de dedicate a hundred grand to first place in a $2 tournament, then that means there's that much yeah. less remaining third, second place, third place and so on. So you really got to finish at the top of those, but it is nice to have those, um, those weekends where like the pieces are there and obviously a bummer that you weren't able to get those 150 entered. And that's also one of those things you deal with it in, you can deal with it in business and in investing and in crypto and DFS where like the emotion takes over and you start making like decisions based on those emotions. And a lot of times it ends up being bad decisions. So uh, yeah. one of those things you just like learn from over time, but yeah, thankfully it, it didn't, it wasn't like a painful like washout for you or anything. Um, yeah. yeah. I had a weird weekend myself. I had, um, it was, it was, you know, I talked last week, it was a tough week for me just in terms of the week didn't set up in a way that's typically profitable for me. But on, I you know, told you last week that kind of like Thursday night, I really solved what I was missing and how to attack the slate. And it was, uh, I ended up down a little bit of money, but it was one of those weeks where if all the pieces had fallen in place on the right rosters, I could have finished up a ton of money. And so, um, yeah, it was actually like, it was a win in terms of process and play and it just didn't quite come together. But, um, like my highest, my highest owned wide receivers in order were, um, Justin Jefferson and Mike Williams, um, and then tank Dell and then Amari Cooper and Keenan Allen and then Adam Thielen. So it was like all 30 pointers at wide receiver mixed and matched across my rosters. My, my third highest owned running back was Kenneth Walker um, you know, I had eight to 10% Raheem Mostert. And so it was just, I had no bills defense, but it just like all those pieces didn't quite line up. I had a, a roster that finished top 60 in the slant. So uh, oh, that was still pretty, nice. pretty sweet to like have a roster that was, had a shot, but I, I had kind of the pieces to have rosters that finished in first place and it just didn't like the pieces didn't quite line up. So yeah, I was really happy with the weekend and really happy with my play given that, um, heading into Thursday evening, I was like, man, I don't know if I'll do well on this week. And, um, and then by like Sunday morning, I felt really confident in the way I had attacked it. And um, a lot of pieces came together, but just not quite in the right way. So, and you know, you know, I actually have to give you credit for the, the 
parlay that I hit. I, I'm going to read it out. And I'm going to tell Ooh, you guys. Excited. So <laughs> first off, I'm going to start off with, I think we not have talked about it at the beginning of last week where you said that with prop bets, you have been like consistently attacking the uh, Titans uh, pass defense. Yep. Yep. And uh, <laughs> I might have like overdone it, but um, so here, here we go. I'll read it off. So I went Kirk Cousins for over 288 passing yards and then Amari Cooper for over 58 receiving yards. Elijah Moore, 39 receiving yards over. These are all over, so I'm just going to read off the lines. Um, Deshaun Watson, 229 passing yards. Tank Dell, 36 receiving yards. Justin Jefferson, 100 receiving yards. And uh, I put $50 on that. Oh! I got so what was the return on that? $12.50. Nice, so $1, man. $250, yeah. Nice hit. So here's the thing. Um, the way that the payout structures work, and I, I've told you this before. You might not, not remember this, but also for anybody watching this, the way that the payout structures work in, in the parlays on underdog and prize picks and all that, they are fundamentally negative EV, as in like those 20X payouts. They look so sweet. Or the 25X payouts, they look so sweet. But the math on it is that you are guaranteed to lose money over time if these are 50-50 bets. So if you're taking, you know, even, even if they're 55-45 bets, uh, if you're taking a 55-45 bet from this game and a 55-45 bet from this game and this game and this game, you're going to lose money over time. And so the winning formula is in these correlated bets. And actually underdog actually prevents you now from having direct correlation of like, over passing yards and over receiving yards from the quarterback in the same wide receiver, but you can do like over targets and over uh, passing yards or whatever, right? But the idea is if a game goes way over, then all those pieces go way over. So like, obviously you're going to get that all the way wrong if you get it wrong, but that's okay. Cause if you, like I had a bunch this last weekend, cause I'll also, I typically hunt through and find like the four or five spots that I'm really confident in. And uh, I picked up like a grand in um, in props in parlays this last weekend myself, but obviously I'm like putting in more money than just the one fifty dollars. So it was kind of like a it was an up weekend for me, but not hugely up. Um, but I had like several that were like Tank Dell, Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper, you know, like four or five guys that hit, or three or four guys that hit, and then like Gerald Everett under receptions because his role hadn't been as big as as the line was showing, and then he ended up with a bigger role in this game. And so. Uh, like I had several of those where it was like one wrong. Right. And so you don't get that payout. And so the thinking can be, well, I want to hedge my bets across the board and like not have heavy concentration on this one game or this one offense. But realistically, if you get one thing wrong, the whole thing's wrong. And so having that heavy concentration is the way to do it. Cause then if you get one thing really right, you know, like if the Browns come out and just throw the ball a ton, uh, you end up in great shape. And actually uh, for any of you watching this who aren't aware, we do have a, well, obviously we have the props insider package, which is uh, up like five grand on the year, but we also have a props pick them package. If you're in a state that doesn't have legal sports betting, or if you're not into sports betting, you want the home run swings and parlays. And, and yeah, I dropped that in there on, um, on Sunday morning was like that. I was taking overs on the Browns passing attack and Alexander Madison rush attempts, which is at 12 rush attempts. And we talked last week about all the coach speak from Kevin O'Connell and all the stuff they were talking about. That they were going to run the ball more. So I think Madison had like, 18 or 19 rush attempts last week. And obviously Deshaun Watson went over on the pass attempts. Samari went over on the yards. Elijah Moore went over on the yards. Um, so yeah, those are like when you can find those correlated bets, that's the way to hit it. Um, so yeah, congrats. Nice to have a, a big hit like that. Yeah, it was really um, nice. I had um I had like almost all my bets this last week and tied to Mike Williams over four and a half catches. Cause it was like oh, yeah. Mike Williams doesn't go over four and a half catches either this game is going way different than expected or he's getting hurt, which he got hurt and still he got, got hurt. Yeah. <laughs> over four and a half catches. So, um, so yeah, it ended up working out on, on my end, kind of having that anchor bet there. So, um, so yeah, let's go ahead and turn the page to week four. And um, it's funny. Like I, I went through the slate on uh, Monday and I was like, man, there's like so much to like, at the quarterback position. And then I went through the slate last night and I was like, there's so little to like at the quarterback position, which just tells me um, it's not about like how much or how little there is to like, it's not about the ceiling on these players. It's just that I haven't found the separation yet from, from like who I like more than another. Right. I mean, like uh, Josh Allen, there's been so much praise given to him from 
the Bills this season about taking the check down passes, not trying to hit the home run ball. This last week, there was all this praise for him about sliding. Um, there was a couple times where he slid instead of trying to barrel through somebody. And he talked about it after the game. Sean McDermott talked about it after the game. Other players talked about it after the game. Uh, Josh Allen said that some of the players owed him some money for bets that they'd placed on him that he wouldn't slide. Like, so there's all this talk about basically turning him into like a, a safer version of himself, which is great for the bills, but it takes away some of his ceiling. Obviously that game could go nuts, but Buffalo has a really good defense and, and, you know, we saw what the Patriots did to Tua and to Tyreek Hill. They were able to find a way to slow them down. Uh, Jalen Hurts, right, probably has a really nice game against Washington, but Washington's a really good defense. Can Jalen Hurts put up like a 30, 35-pointer? Washington probably doesn't keep pace in that game. Uh, the the Raiders probably missing Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, so can they keep pace against Justin Herbert and force him, again, he's a pocket passer, force him to have 350, 400 yards and three touchdowns at 7,800 um, Lamar Jackson playing one of the toughest defenses in the NFL in Cleveland. We just talked about Tua. Uh, Kirk Cousins playing a, a Carolina defense that's pretty good through the air. They've got some injured pieces in the secondary, but pretty good through the air, pretty attackable on the ground. Anthony Richardson obviously has a lot of ceiling, but 6,700 is a high price tag. Justin Fields has looked awful, but he's playing this bad Denver defense. So you kind of go down the list. Joe Burrow playing this Tennessee defense that we attack all the time, but he also has this gimpy calf and they haven't been throwing the ball downfield. So yeah, it's just like, you can go down the list and you can find attractive elements for all these pieces, but not real. Like there's nothing where you're like, yeah, but this guy is likeliest to ascend. Obviously it's Wednesday as we record this a lot of time to sort through the slate, but that's kind of how I'm seeing things right now. Uh, any thoughts from you on the quarterback position in that regard? Um, yeah. I'm always iffy to play this, uh, this guy, but sometimes he does, you know, have a breakout 30 point game. Uh, Kirk cousins. I mean, he's a, a pocket passer, but um, to be fair, he could definitely go off against the Panthers uh, with, uh, you know, four passing touchdowns, possibly. I mean, give Justin Jefferson another 100-plus yard game, which he's – has has he not had a 100-yard game this season? Jefferson? No, he's had 100. Yeah. You know, he's had 149-plus in every – Every game, dude. It's crazy. And I don't think that's going to break this week, but, I mean, I could be wrong. Um, another guy I like, um, CJ Stroud. I, I've been on him all all year. Um, they're playing the Steelers, aren't they? This yeah, Steelers. yeah. yeah. Um, I don't really know. So I, I like to attack defenses um, personally, but I don't really know how the Steelers defense um, plays because I don't really play teams against the Steelers. Like usually in most uh, slates, I find other um, more appealing games. But uh, Yeah, I mean, Steelers are going to be near the top of the NFL every year in sacks. So from that standpoint – um, you know, I almost, I almost tweeted the other day, I was watching that the Lions game from this last weekend, and I almost tweeted that Jared Goff is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL when he has a clean pocket. And then it was like, well, most quarterbacks are really good when they have a clean pocket. You know, it's like, um, and Jared Goff is excellent when he, when, he does, when he has a clean pocket and he's got a great offensive line, which is why he's looked so good with the Lions. But the, the like having a clean pocket helps so much. And it's, you don't have a clean pocket much against Pittsburgh that does mean you get the ball out a little bit quicker so you have a little bit more ball out quick type approach but it's more similar to and Pittsburgh has a better pass rush than Baltimore but it's more similar to that game against Baltimore where you know we look through the game log and you see 44 pass attempts 242 yards you know it's harder to get to one of those 300 plus yard games against one of these defenses that forces you to get the ball out quickly uh the Steelers are, are good on the back end, not great on the back end. So it's certainly a matchup you can win. But I mean, this is what I'm saying, right? Like the if, if I'm Kevin O'Connell and I'm calling this game for the Vikings, I just got Cam Akers and the Panthers are, are really good in the secondary and really bad on the ground. And I mean, you watch the, the Seahawks game, like there were a lot of plays where the Seahawks offensive line was getting three or four yards of push on the Panthers offensive line. So if I'm Kevin O'Connell and I'm watching that, you know, like that stands out to me. That's something I want to attack so can Kirk Cousins throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns yes but like do you have high confidence no right and so yeah. when we're looking if we're talking large field tournament there's an element there is an element of saying who can go for 30 points and like Kirk Cousins is in that like all these guys I mentioned are in that bucket Josh Allen Jalen Hurts Justin Herbert uh I'll skip over Lamar even though he can always do it uh Tua Cousins Anthony Richardson even Justin Fields Joe Burrow but then it's like are there any of those guys that like last week I had 44% Patrick Mahomes and I had 24% Justin Herbert. I didn't have any Kirk Cousins. I kind of bet that like 
if Cousins was hitting, Herbert was probably hitting at an equal or higher level. So I, it was my bet on Kirk Cousins as well. But it was like I had 44% Mahomes. I had 24% Herbert. I had 20% Deshaun Watson because, again, that matchup against Tennessee. And uh, Watson didn't like smash, but he got 21 points at 6K. And uh, Mahomes had a big game. And actually, Rasheed Rice got tackled inside the one-yard line two different times. to turn into a rushing good. touchdown. So yeah. it would have been a much bigger day for Mahomes there. And uh, <laughs> Herbert had a big day, right? And it was like all of those, they were so high-owned. I only had five quarterbacks last week. And like rounded that was just like a little bit of Josh Allen, a little bit of Gardner Minshew. Didn't use them on my tighter builds. And so last week it was like, as we got closer to the weekend, it was like these three quarterbacks are head and shoulders above the others to me. And I felt confident going heavy on them. And this week I don't see that like heavy on them type of setup. I mean, we've got, we've got a Broncos team that got embarrassed and is playing the worst defense in the league in the bears. Like, would it shock us if Russell Wilson throws for 350 yards and three touchdowns? It wouldn't shock me at all, but it also wouldn't shock me if he throws for like 215 and no touchdowns. Um, Brock Purdy against Arizona at only 5,900. Like the 49ers probably put up 30 points yet again in this one. Uh, Brock Purdy can put up a big game in that one. I like CJ Stroud, uh, you know, as a guy who can put up 20 to 25 points. Yeah, it's just, it's a weird week for me because nothing like leaps off the page um, for me at the quarterback position. I think the running back position, there's, a little more separation in that um, like Derrick Henry is not in a great spot against Cincinnati, Joe Mixon against that tough Tennessee run defense, not in a great spot. Uh, James Cook obviously can always hit for a big game, but he doesn't get touches inside the five yard line, um, you know, playing against this game against Miami uh, Ramondre and Zeke splitting touches uh, in a good match of actually Dallas run defense has been pretty attackable, but splitting touches Alvin Kamara in his first game back, uh, Kyron Williams against an Indianapolis run defense that has played really well. So it's like, there's, there's a lot more at the running back position where you're like, yeah, I can kind of cross, not, not cross these, this guy completely off my list, but if we're start of the week and saying like, who are the top plays who really stands out? There are a lot more guys at running back that I can kind of cross off, but yeah, quarterback, there's a lot of good plays, but no standout plays to me. So uh, yeah, that's kind of how I'm, I'm looking at this week. And um any thoughts on running back? And then I actually want to jump to kind of a strange position here too, before we start building a roster. Yeah. Um, before we go to running back, I mean, there is one more quarterback that I do like it's Brock Purdy just because of the, how high points that team can go. Yeah. Um, obviously though, I mean, they could get high enough where they take him off. That's what happened with Pat. And um, I didn't mention this, but another one of my prop bets actually didn't hit because of uh, them taking Pat off. He had like 280 passing yards is what the line was. And I got him. 273 is what he had <laughs> so yeah um but that yeah. could definitely happen i mean that would lose you points um cmc i mean could they do the same thing with cmc would they take him out and put in the uh the secondary yeah i mean they were doing that they were doing that last year um and you know when when cmc cmc is tough at his price tag you're basically paying for the consistency because when he was with the panthers he would routinely get 10 to 14 targets and now he routinely gets like six to eight targets because they also have Debo and they have Ayuk and they have Kittle. So he gets the carries. Uh, he gets the touchdown opportunities. I think he scored in like every game since he joined the 49ers. He scored a touchdown in every game since he joined the 49ers, which is nuts. Um, he gets the touchdown opportunities. He gets the receptions, but not like he doesn't get 11 receptions, 12, 13 receptions. And then last year, every time they were up by a ton, they would take him out and put Elijah Mitchell in because they want to win the Super Bowl, right? Why? Mm -hmm. Why keep Christian McCaffrey in with a 20-point lead in the fourth quarter or even the third quarter? There were a lot of times where end of the third quarter he was out of the game. Uh, so one of the things that Zandemir often points out there is, like, if a team scores 30 points, you're still getting those points on the way up, right? Like, you're still getting the, the DFS scores attached to them. When they get taken out in the, late in the third quarter, it happened a lot with the Eagles last year. It's like, yeah, when, it, when at halftime Jalen Hurts has 26 points, like, you're like, man, this dude's going to score 40 and then he gets taken out because there's a huge lead, but yeah. he still gets you like 32 points or 34 points, whatever it is. Um, the thing is like, th it's harder for them to post that like separator type score where, you know, wh what I said last week was that, that Vikings chargers game. And it actually played out exactly the way that I kind of uh, used as an example was the way I'd illustrated it, which was like one of these other teams, like the, like I said, like Kansas city can score 30 plus points but Mahomes can get kind of taken out and he doesn't get those points at the end. And that can happen in these blowout games. Whereas in this type of game with the Vikings and Chargers, you can have this type of situation where it's a four point game with seven minutes left and 
now this team gets the ball and they're driving down the field and then they take the lead. And now they have a three point lead. So the other team gets the ball with three minutes left and they drive down and kick a field goal and tie it. Like the other team, drive, like you get this back and forth at the end of the game. And it was so close to working out that way. Uh, the Vikings couldn't quite convert those touchdown opportunities down 28 to 24, but that would have made it 31 to 28. And then Herbert's coming down to try to score again. And like, you get that, like that already you've got 30 points from these guys. And all of a sudden they've got a shot at like 38 points, 40 points. Um, so anytime you can find a spot like that, you prefer that. But at the same time, you know, Purdy at 5,900, the issue for him has been primarily that a lot of times the touchdowns will come on the ground. So he doesn't get the, he doesn't get the 300 yards very often in these blowout wins. He doesn't get the three touchdowns very often, but he still can. So at, at 5,900, I think that he's super interesting. And we saw it. We, you know, the 49er, the, the Cowboys always felt like a little bit of a mirage to me. And maybe I'm just conditioned to that after 30 years of, used to it, of the Cowboys over being over this again. type of team. Yeah, but like <laughs> the, um, the, the Cowboys are obviously excellent, but they don't feel to me like the 49ers. You know, like the 49ers feel like an unstoppable freight train. And, yeah. in, and when you watch, when you watch every game and you watch the 49ers, they're playing a different game than everybody else. Everything is downhill. Everything's aggressive. Every play is like designed to try to pick up chunk yards. And it's just like such a different brand of football. Like the closest thing to it is the Dolphins, which is obviously Mike McDaniel coming out from under that, that Shanahan tree. And yeah, I mean, but I say that to say the Cardinals have proven that they can keep games close. They were leading it. I believe they were leading at halftime in all three games this year, they could have won that game against Washington. They did win that game against Dallas. So um, they could potentially make it enough of a game that the 49ers are still playing, you know, into the fourth quarter. And I think the biggest that I guess that does swing us. So the, the position I want to talk about is tight end. Um, Cause we're getting to this point in the season where it's like, Oh my gosh, tight end is awful. And you pay up for Hawkinson, 6,500. We've seen him have these big games, but his average depth of target is like four yards downfield. So he has to, okay, well, Sam Laporta's average depth of target heading into last week was also like four yards downfield. So he had that big play, right? It was a busted play. He picked up 40 something yards and a touchdown on that one play. But if he doesn't get that, he ends up with like 40 yards on five or six catches, whatever it would have been. TJ Hawkinson, a lot of his games are like that, right? He catches nine passes but it's for like 55 yards you know so you need so much volume for him and at 6500 you really need a lot of things to break his way um mark andrews i mean this cleveland defense they gave up 92 yards last week and they are probably a top three defense in the nfl um so just like the scoring environment doesn't lend itself to mark andrews having a blow-up game and then you get down to like these the like Tyler Higby, you know, he's overpriced, but he can get you 10 or 11, 12 points. Cole Komet, if he scores a touchdown, you know, that's good. Gerald Everett has been splitting snaps with Donald Parham, so it's hard to see him having like a monster game. And Joku has been kind of underused. Uh, Jake Ferguson has actually had a lot of volume from the Cowboys and a lot of like high value volume, but a tough matchup against New England. And Pat Fryermuth, you know, not a, not a ton of upside unless things just kind of click into play. So like it gets really thin at tight end. And it might just be a thing of hope that you get the guy who scores a touchdown, right? But Debo Samuel missed practice yesterday. So George Kittle, Ayuk was out this last week. He had nine targets. We saw it last year when Debo was out. I think when Debo was out, he was averaging like over 20 DraftKings points per game. So I almost feel like and we don't have enough information on that spot yet, but if, if Debo ends up missing this week, I think it's a rib injury. If Debo ends up missing this week, I could see myself going, 100% Kittle because can he miss? Yeah, but so are most tight ends going to miss. Um, and can he hit? Yeah, he can hit for a monster game. And then the um, the one sort of drawback I see there and the one other unique component about this slate is the value's gone, man. Like the we we had, I, I was basically half of my rosters had Tank Dell back-to-back weeks, you know, at 3,300, 3,200, and then 3,600. Um, and then I had a bunch of Adam Thielen last week. And it was cool because I had, you know, Tony Pollard didn't hit, but I was trying to force in some of these Pollard Jefferson rosters because I knew most people wouldn't be able to build those. And that forced me on to like Phelan and Tank Dell on those rosters. So you're still picking up 60 plus points from these two cheap guys, um, plus 30 points from Jefferson and 20 plus points from Pollard. Uh, but yeah, this week it's like, it's it, we're kind of down to the weeks where 
I, I guess I'll say it like this, right? Like there's attractive payup options. There's obviously just Justin Jefferson and Tyree Kill on this slate. There's Stephon Diggs, there's Devontae Adams, there's Keenan Allen without Mike Williams, there's Jamar Chase in a good matchup against Tennessee. There's AJ Brown, there's Devontae Smith, like even Chris Olave at 7,100. There are a lot of attractive payup options, but you kind of got to take these total like three, four target dart throws uh, to fit them in. Or you have to say, okay, I can't get in two of these expensive guys. I can only get in one of these expensive guys and be a little bit more solid across the board uh, in where I'm going at, at wide receiver running back. Cause yeah, like, yeah, you can get up to 5,500. Jacoby Myers looks really attractive with the, with the, how concentrated that offense is, or, you know, George Pickens is up here. Cameron, uh, uh, Cortland Sutton's up here. Nico Collins is up here. Like there's a lot to like once you get up into this 5k range, but down in like the, the 4k and below range, it's really, really thin this week. So um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm seeing in terms of how this slate shapes up. Uh, any final thoughts from you before we dive in and build a roster? Um, not really. The only thought that I have is that, yeah, tight, the tight end is very dry this week. It's the best way to describe it is it's uh, desolate. Yeah, it's desolate. <laughs> and, and it's like, if, if, if Debo plays, Kittle can still hit, but his percentage chances are pretty low. And on a, on a week where everybody's going to be like hunting for something that can hit at tight end, I could see his ownership being a little bit higher than it should be with Debo and Ayuk both on the field. Not to say that I definitely won't go there, but just to say like that, that it almost becomes one of those spots where then you just say, who's the cheap tight end that people won't play and can score some touchdowns or you know, who's the tight end who's attached to my stack. Like I had, it's, it's honestly somewhat amazing that I didn't um, have a big weekend last week. Obviously the bills, I've said that before, right? Like you can have a big weekend and you're like, man, I dominated this week. And then you look at like your defense scored 30 points. And you're like, if I had a defense that scored six points, I would have finished out of the money. You know, it's like that defense difference can make like make or break your week. But like, I had a lot of rosters that were not a lot, but like 6% of my rosters maybe that had, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Donald Parham. Um, just because that's always a sharp way to round out your roster is to say, look, if tight end sucks, who's the tight end attached to the, the passing attack that I'm betting on? Uh, Parham goes out and scores two touchdowns, right? So that, that's the other way to kind of play this week is like, who's the tight end that is attached to my passing attack? But yeah, like getting the, the cheap tight end who scores a touchdown or two could end up making a difference. Or you kind of go back to the well on on Zach Ertz or the the sort of low A dot Dalton Kincaid um, uh, or or um, uh, Dawson Knox. I was trying to say Dalton Knox, um, but yeah, the uh, it's a it's a thin it's a thin week at this position. So uh, with that, let's go ahead and build a roster. So if you're new here, the concept of this show is that I've been playing DFS. Uh, for 10 years, been playing at a pretty high level for 10 years. Keegan's been playing for a few years, kind of picking up the ropes, right? And so uh, he gets to be a proxy for the audience, kind of guide us through what he's seeing, ask questions, and we can all kind of learn things along the way. I learn things along the way and start getting us prepped for the slate, but also help us see how we build sharp rosters. So uh, Keegan, one of the things on a week like this is I probably do want to, I probably do want to place a concentrated bet. As in, you know, if we're talking about like trying to win a tournament, I want to place a bet where it's like, okay, I'm going to bet on this passing attack having a big game, right? So even if that's Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, like I want to bet on something having a big game rather than kind of hedging my bets because it's when there's more uncertainty, people are going to be more likely to be like, okay, and I'll take a bet over here. I'll take a bet over there uh, and kind of spread things out. But if we can concentrate our bets, it gives us a greater chance of finishing in last place, but also gives us a greater chance of finishing in first place and, and those top spots is where all the money is. So uh, yeah, with that, I'll turn it over to you. Where do you want to start this week? I would like to start with uh, Brock Purdy. Ooh, I, I like that a lot. Um, and we can kind of make a, again, it's Wednesday. We don't have a lot of information, but we can, from this thought experiment of building a roster, seeing what we want to do, we can determine whether we want to decide that Debo is playing or not. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, so do we want to say that Debo is playing in, in no. this roster or no? No? He's out. All right. Debo's out, which, um, <laughs> which gives us, I would imagine, lock button on, on Kittle on this roster. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's in, interesting elements here that we can play around with in that 
there's probably going to be about 80 points, 80 DraftKings points available to skill position players on the 49ers. So if we take Kittle plus Ayuk plus McCaffrey, that comes out to about 20K, which would give us about 4X if all of those points flow through these three guys. The other way to look at it is that, uh, okay, so Ayuk's a little more expensive than I was realizing. Uh, but the other way to look at it too is that if there's 80 points available, maybe 10 points flow to Jawan Jennings or whoever else, right? But like if there's 80 points available and they don't get spread out evenly across the three guys, but they just land on two guys, then having those two guys like bolts us way past the field. So like I would then mix and match lots of different combinations, right? I would probably force myself to have some rosters with no Kittle and I'd have Ayuk and CMC and then a lot of rosters with CMC and Kittle, a lot of rosters with Ayuk and Kittle, and then in smaller field play, some rosters with all three of them. So, uh, yeah, which direction do you want to go? You want to go all three, or you just kind of getting a look at what that looks like? Man, I, I was getting a look, but I mean that really um, chains down our salary. I, what are the odds that? I mean, obviously, it's probably lower to have uh, CMC out of there, odds wise, because I mean, if they're going to be scoring a lot of points, Christian McCaffrey is going to be getting some of those points. Yeah, I mean, we. <clears throat> what has happened so far tells us that he will score 25 plus points. Right. But right. what has happened isn't necessarily what's going to happen. I would say you got to say there's at least a 10% chance that he has, you know, like 17 points or 18 points and the touchdowns flow different directions. And if that happens, like that's not the way most people will be betting on it. Right. So yeah, I don't mind the idea. And again, I, what I would want to do is I would want to, like, let's say that I say, all right, 10% of my roster is going to be Brock Purdy. And let's say Debo's out. Well, if Debo's out, I'm going to have a lot of these 49ers because you have these, these 80 points that they are typically going to get. And they, and they can score 100 plus points, these skill position players. But you get 80 points and it kind of gets condensed down to three guys instead of four guys. And so you really like that because it takes away some of the guesswork. And so across a lot of my rosters, I will have 49ers pieces mixed and matched in different ways. So like on this roster... We can mix and match it this way. We can also recognize that this is a little more uncomfortable, right? And so, like, we would want to have a little bit more CMC than than Ayuk and Kittle. We would want to have more, like, CMC Kittle or CMC Ayuk than Ayuk Kittle. But we still want to have some Ayuk Kittle because recognize this is a way it could play out. And then in smaller field play where we're trying to win out of 200 rosters or 500 rosters, uh, putting all three of them on is really sharp because – then you raise your floor so much. And then on the off chance they have a monster game, you get all those points. So um, yeah, but this would be kind of like a more mid to large field play. You could even do this in smaller field, obviously, but um, take a different direction and free up some salary. And then we could think, okay, the people who have CMC, what are they not able to do, right? So now we're betting on not CMC having a bad game, but we're betting on him having a disappointing game at his price tag which would mean Ayuk and Kittle are taking points away from CMC. Purdy's taking points away from CMC. And then we also want to further like elevate ourselves over those CMC rosters by saying, okay, if somebody's rostering CMC on this week where salary's tight, they probably can't roster not only Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, but also Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Jamar Chase. So like we probably want to get one of these guys onto the roster just to separate from those CMC rosters even more. Okay, awesome. Uh, with that being said, one of the higher guys that I would like to um, go after on this roster specifically would probably be Devontae Adams. I can see that game being a decent scoring game. Yeah, Devontae yeah. The um, Obviously, big question mark there. Jimmy Garoppolo is in concussion protocol. Um, so they're either down to Brian Hoyer, who um, – Brian Hoyer, I don't know how old he is now, like 36. Um, he's had – I don't know how familiar you are with Brian Hoyer. No, he's had a couple not. opportunities to start in his career. The Browns gave him a shot to start. At one point, he was a longtime backup to Tom Brady on the Patriots. He's bounced around since then, kind of a respected clipboard holder, but he's, he's not great when he steps in. Um, they also have – I think his name is Aiden O'Connell. Uh, I could have that wrong. But there's been talk this week of, of them playing – I know his first name is Aiden – uh, let me scroll down to Aiden O'Connell. Uh, so I know nothing about Aiden O'Connell besides that he's been, he's their third quarterback. He's been healthy and active so far this season, but there's been talk of, you know, Hoyer's the backup because he can 
he knows everything, right? But is he going to come in and win you a game like this? Probably not. So there has been, you know, kind of questions about would Aiden O'Connell start this week if Garoppolo is out? Because maybe he gives a little bit more upside. So we'd have to learn more about Aiden O'Connell before we could uh, feel confident. But on this roster, we could basically say Jimmy G is starting. And then if that's the case, you know, we feel confident with this um, Devontae Adams play. Well, if there's if there's so many unknowns, then do you want to just wait on the most expensive guy and maybe pick out like a cheaper wide receiver and then we'll go to defense? Yeah, we can do that. Although I, I do want to make sure that we get one of these guys that the CMC rosters wouldn't be able to get, or right. at least try to. We don't need to force it, but that's something we want to be thinking about. So yeah, let's go to, let's see if there's like a value piece that we like and then go to defense. Um, and and I'll tell you the cheap defense that I that I like so far is Cleveland. And I don't know that they're getting, we've had like five years of, of everyone being like this Cleveland defense is so talented. And then they are kind of mediocre. And so I think that's still in people's minds, but um, at this point, especially with the, with them adding Zadarius Smith as an extra pass rusher, it's been huge for them because last week, the Titans, there were plays where they were sending two tight ends to miles Garrett's side. So they would have the tackle and two tight ends all working on him. But then you got Zadarius Smith one-on-one, and then he's dominating getting to the quarterback. And uh, Miles Garrett still had three and a half sacks himself. Uh, And they were able to, like, Miles Garrett was kind of screwing with the Titans. And, like, wherever they would put the tight ends, he would move to the other side. The Titans would have to shift, and then he would move to the other side again. And um, So, yeah, like, this defensive with Jim Schwartz there, Jim Schwartz, like, all-time great defensive coordinator. They added Juan Thornhill in the secondary, really good leader back there. So this defense is playing like out of their minds and is truly, I think, you know, a top two or three defense in the league. Uh, Lamar Jackson is prone to taking sacks. He's prone to making mistakes. So that's a cheap defense I like. Um, there's other directions we could go as well, obviously, but that's, that's one to think about if we want to just see what salary we have available. Yeah, and I think it's funny that you say that because this whole um, season I have actually been – you know how I'd say like I play my teams against defenses or I just try to see how the defense is going to play against a certain team. I have been avoiding most teams from the, uh, the Browns like this entire season, just solely because they've been uh, dominating defensively. This yeah. Season. Yeah. Yeah. And not, and not just like, like not allowing teams to score points, but also getting a lot of pressure and, and kind of creating those opportunities for mistakes. So um, obviously, you know, they're playing Lamar Jackson. That's not like, they're not playing a rookie quarterback in his third game or something, but um, kind of the rookie quarterbacks who are in their third games, third, fourth game, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson are playing really well. Bryce young could come back this week, which makes the Vikings interesting at 3,500, but we know the Vikings aren't actually very good. So they're going to be aggressive, um, but there's a lot of risk there as well. So yeah, kind of on a week defense looks a little bit at first glance, looks a little bit similar to tight end this week, right? Where it's like, you hope you get it right. Um, but the Browns are one that you probably won't get wrong. They're one that probably won't like kill you and they do have potential to have some big plays. So, uh, at 2,800, that's a good way to, to get a sense of what our salary looks like. Uh, and then try to find a cheap, I guess, a cheap wide receiver, um, to see, you know, there's, there's DJ shark who had 11 targets last week, but also Andy Dalton threw it, I think 57, 58 times, uh, Bryce young should be back this week. Right. So that lowers the whole ceiling on that offense is lowered. I think Adam Thielen will be extremely popular a week yeah. after he was only 12% owned at 3,900. Now he's going to be like, there's not a lot of value. And he put up this monster game, right? So I feel like he's going to be super high owned, but he is playing against a bad secondary in Minnesota. It's a, so to speak, it's a revenge game for him. I say, so to speak, because um, you know, he, he, I don't think he has any bad blood toward that team, but that's where he, uh, in fact, Thielen's story, he was, um, I think he was undrafted or maybe he was like a seventh round pick, but he's a Minnesota kid. And it was like, uh, you know, they'd seen him since high school and basically brought him in just knowing that he had the ability to develop an NFL player, but he was completely overlooked by every other NFL team and, um, you know, carved out this excellent career with the Vikings over the years. So I'm sure he would love to have a good game there. I'm sure the, the Panthers would love to get him a good game there, but it's still kind of a guy on his last legs, great route runner, but not a ton of upside um, so yeah, it's, it's strange. It's going to be strange chalk, right? Cause it's not a bad play, but it's also like, I can see how this play fails. Um, so yeah, uh, any thoughts on where you want to go here at, at wide receiver to save some salary? Um, yeah, I kind of want to lean towards, uh, Josh Palmer just because Mike Williams is out. Um, maybe that could just be like a reach, but, uh, 
I think he could still get some some points, seeing as how yeah. Allen is the number one guy there. But he yeah, I like that a lot. I, I put Palmer on my one of my practice builds last night. You know, I keep coming back to this quote that we we've mentioned a few times from Dave Canales, the Buccaneers offensive coordinator, when he said, "You don't you don't design plays for K dot. You design plays for Mike Evans. You design plays for Chris Godwin." And I, I've thought about that a lot this year when looking at these people kind of it's easy to come up with stories of how a cheap guy hits, right? It's easy to be like, Oh yeah, this guy, he's got speed and he get this, that, and the other. And you're like, yeah, but he still is not going to get schemed looks. And so Palmer kind of falls in between for me on that because you can't just have schemed looks for one guy. You can't just have schemed looks for Keenan Allen. If Austin Eckler plays this week and then Palmer becomes less attractive because you can have schemed looks for, Eckler and Keenan, and then maybe Palmer gets like five targets. Um, but if Eckler's out, I feel like Palmer, you know, Quentin Johnston is not ready. And I think people are going to want to play him because he was a first round draft pick and all that. And maybe he hits for a long play, right? Maybe he has like a Marvin Mims type game where he has a couple catches for a hundred yards, but who's getting scheme targets. If Austin Eckler's out, I feel like Josh Palmer could get seven, eight, nine looks in this spot. So I actually really like that play. Uh, I think he's still viable if Eckler plays, but he's actually really enticing to me if Eckler is out again, because I think they'll have to scheme some looks for him in this spot. Awesome. And uh, with that being on our roster, he is, we have now have a 6,500 average remaining salary. Yeah. And that actually, that kind of makes that Devonte Adams play even more interesting because you're kind of saying like, okay, concentrated offenses and points being scored. Um, and instead of Devontae Adams, we could go Jacoby Myers and then go a different high-priced guy, right? Like we go Jamar Chase and Jacoby Myers because Jacoby Myers has had 10-plus targets both games that he's played as well, and we have the salary to do that. Um, and we're aware then of what, what other people's rosters are going to look like. Most people will only be able to pay up for one guy. Uh, I, I think that Palmer will have some ownership, and and but I, I think that – just the structure of this slate, most people won't be able to pay up for Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams. Or if they do, they're going to have to take sacrifices elsewhere. Most people won't be able to pay up for CMC and one of these high-priced wide receivers. And there's a lot of attractive pay-up options, which means things should get kind of spread out. Like, I don't think there's going to be one expensive guy who's 30% owned and then a bunch of others at 10%. It's like Jamar Chase is attractive, Devontae Adams is attractive, Keenan Allen is attractive. So that should naturally spread out ownership. Uh, so accounting for the fact that Devontae Adams will be on a chunk of rosters, accounting for the fact that CMC will be on a chunk of rosters, and we're trying to take points away from those guys as we also get to Jamar Chase or whoever else we want to go to in this spot, uh, kind of lines us up really nicely on this roster. Okay, awesome. Um, I think maybe we should grab like a mid-priced running back again just to get a sense of our salary and then cool, we'll go. Cool, Yeah, I think there's um, there's final pieces. a number of interesting guys to think about. Uh, I think – Obviously, we've got Jacoby on this roster, so we don't necessarily want Josh Jacobs, and he's not quite mid-priced, but I think he's very interesting. Um, DeAndre Swift, I, I think, will be popular just because of what he's done. And in my head, I argue, like, well, he hasn't caught any passes. But Nick Sirianni said on Monday, you know, he basically was talking about what a great pass catcher DeAndre Swift is. And he said, you know, we just haven't had a chance to show that yet. Like, that hasn't basically that hasn't been something in our arsenal that we've had to use yet. So that's still a, like a, an arrow in the quiver that the Eagles have is that they will use him in, in the scheme passing game. And we've seen what he's been able to do uh, on the ground. Uh, Jerome Ford, interesting, although I kind of am concerned that he won't be like, um, he won't have like a Nick Chubb role of like 20 plus touches, right? Because last week they also gave Pierre strong touches. They gave Kareem hunt touches. Uh, but Jerome Ford is interesting down here. Um Cam Akers, if we wanted to take a swing, you know, last week, my big mistake was Kendra Miller and overrating my ability to predict what the Saints were going to do in that backfield. Um, the week before that, I had a little bit of Hunter Renfro where I was overrating my ability to predict what the Raiders would do in that situation. So I'm a little gun shy on Cam Akers because they probably will still use Madison as the lead back in this spot. But Cam Akers is more explosive. So, you know, that's one of those where it's like, we're taking on more risk. Same thing, thing with Roshan Johnson in a good match against Denver. He seems to be ascending as the lead back in Chicago, but a, a bad offense. And we don't really know if he'll get uh, the full workload. So yeah, the, the first place where we have like 
low question marks is at DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, uh, Zach Moss. Zach Moss is really in the Jonathan Taylor role. You know, he's going to get 22 plus touches every single game. Um, and I think that's kind of where things get really interesting here. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think we could get more salary if we just went with Miles Sanders or Swift, either or I'm okay with. I love, I, I also like Zach Moss, but he's um, 6K and that would leave us, we, I mean, we get an extra 800 out of him, but uh, we get even more out of these guys and maybe around the same amount of points. Yeah, I would go, for me, I would go Swift over Miles Sanders just because whatever team is likely to score more touchdowns is likely to produce a higher game for their um, for their player, especially if Bryce Young is under center again for the Panthers. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I would say let's go DeAndre Swift on this one. Um, and he's probably somewhat popular. And probably a lot of these guys are, especially let's say Debo's out, which is what we're, you know, this one of the central theses of this roster. We're, we have a lot of guys on here who are going to see ownership, but what that means is all these guys are good plays, right? So then the next question is, High ownership is fine as long as it's put together in a unique way. So the next question is, is this put together in a unique way? And to me, it, it is. Like, I don't think a lot of people will go with the Aya Kittle Purdy setup. I don't think that a lot of people will go with Jacoby. Jacoby will be there, right? But a lot of people won't be like Jacoby and Palmer when you have Keenan and Devontae there. So we're building a unique setup with, with players who will be somewhat popular because they'll be good plays. And as we already said, I don't think there's going to be super heavy concentrated ownership on individual pieces this week. So you're finding the good plays, but you're piecing them together in a unique way. So I, I really like the way that we're set up here. Okay, awesome. Um, this, I mean, so we have 7-4 as the remaining salary. And if we pick an 8K guy, roughly around 8K, that'll bring us back down to like 6-8, something around that area. What do you... Yeah, so we're kind of in a position where if we go Jamar Chase, we're going to have 7K at running back, which doesn't do anything for us because uh, Josh Jacobs is 7,100. And then, you know, that puts us at Derrick Henry who can hit, but he's in a bad spot for hitting. Uh, And then you get below that where Raheem Mostert obviously can hit, but he's overpriced for his range of outcomes, uh, or I should say for for his chances of hitting. Uh, Joe Mixon probably doesn't hit against Tennessee. So yeah, it's, it's um, kind of a weird setup. A couple things we could do. We could go Josh Jacobs and then move off Jacoby Myers and like go down to somebody at 5,400, 5,300. Uh, and that would bias Jamar Chase, right? We want to, we want to make sure we get at least one elite piece on this roster because, you know, last week we were able to get 30 pointers from Tank Dell, from Amari Cooper, from Adam Thielen, from Mike Williams, from Kenneth Walker, um, another guy I had on over 25% of my rosters. <laughs> Last week was a crazy week that I didn't um, finish up a bunch of money. But uh, but typically you're not going to get all those 30-pointers from cheaper guys. And so you have to get the 30-pointers from the more expensive guys. Um, so we don't want to miss out on the 30-pointer that might be there from one of these higher-priced wide receivers. But at the same time, we could go over to – I mean, getting Josh Jacobs – if we could get Josh Jacobs and Jamar Chase, uh, and I saw you looking at AJ Brown. I mean, AJ Brown can hit, except we already have DeAndre Swift on this roster. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and AJ Brown is more volatile in his, like, Jamar Chase is going to hit like eight times this year, more than likely, uh, seven to eight times. Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, they're going to hit around nine to 10 times this year for 30 plus points. Whereas, uh, AJ Brown might hit four times. I think he hit four times last year for 30 plus points. So you're just like, you take this huge drop in percentage chances of hitting. Once you go below Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, I think hit three times last year. Demonte Smith hit three or four times last year. And I, I, I think he hit four times, but two of them were with Gardner Minshew. So it's like the moment you drop below chase, you go into a totally different tier of wide receiver. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what does this leave us with at 5,400 at, um, I'm actually totally okay um, with going with Sutton. I uh, yeah. liked the amount of targets that he got last week. If I'm not wrong, let's see. No, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Had a... Like to me, it has the feeling of a trap in that, like, <laughs> like what this week him get like five targets and Judy get twelve, right? And nobody yeah. wants to play Judy at sixty six hundred after Sutton saw more targets. But at the same time, 
we have to go with what we know and what we've seen and what we know and what we've seen so far is that it's a new offense. It's Sean Payton's calling plays. He wasn't calling plays last year and Sutton's being emphasized. So uh, yeah, 5,300, it's hard to argue against Sutton. And the setup of this roster is unique enough and different enough that I, I totally find putting him on here because what it buys us is not just Sutton, but it buys us this Jamar Chase, Josh Jacobs pairing um, where we get two of these guys who can go for 30 plus points. So yeah, I really like this. I mean, and we can go through it. Can Purdy put Purdy had a 38 pointer last year. Uh, DeAndre Swift, we know can put up 30. Jacobs, we know can put up, Jacobs can put up 40 to 50, but we know he can put up 30. Aya can put up 30. Uh, Palmer had some 20 plus pointers last year. Obviously a lot of those were with both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen out, but he has that type of upside. Sutton can put up 20 to 30. Kittle can put up 30. Chase can put up a, a had to have it, you know, 35, 40 point game. Um, so across this roster, we have guys who can be on tournament winning rosters, which we always want. And then the story we're telling is cohesive and comprehensive and it's a unique build, even though it's all pieces that will have, you know, probably 8% or higher ownership. A lot of these might have like 12%, 14, 15%, but it's put together in a really unique way to where we don't have to worry too much about the individual ownership because the comprehensive structure is, is set up really nicely and the pairings are set up really nicely to where we're differentiating our roster. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts on this before we get out of here? Um, I think I, I do, but I just, I think we'll talk about it too long. So I, I'm, I'm going to refrain. I might talk about it tomorrow. Actually, I'll bring it up Nice, it nice. with the, uh, the Joe Burrow, uh, not in, incident, not issue, but just, uh, just want to talk about that more. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, and yeah, we're, um, yeah. Burrow is interesting because we can forget how good he is. Right. Um, and he can come out against Tennessee, this pass defense that's allowed like the deepest pass uh, the highest deep pass play rate in the NFL. And, uh, you know, he'd come out and put up 380 yards. He's limiting limited mobility, but like he can still throw from the pocket. Tennessee hasn't gotten pressure this year. So yeah, I think it's, a, it, it's an interesting week in all, right. We can come back tomorrow and find out the Debo practiced in full on Wednesday. And like the whole thesis behind this roster is broken. So, uh, but yeah, it's a good way to get a feel for the week. And I think it gives us a good sense of, early on, like what makes this slate unique, which is, which is one of the big things that we want to be looking for early in the week is not making decisions, but collecting information. So um, with that, we'll get out of here. Keegan, as always, thanks for hanging out. We will see you back here on Thursday for another DFS lab. We will see you on one week season throughout the week. We will see you at the top of the leaderboards on Sunday. Sunday.